Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, and also provide life and business coaching services. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Counseling and Therapy Services at 301 325-1550. Now today, I'm very excited to have on our podcast episode number 16, a very special guest, Lisa Shermerhorn from Peak Performance Mindset Coaching. And just like every of my past episode, I will leave it up to the guest to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Lisa, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Um, just to give you a little bit about a background about me, I call myself a mindset coach. But as we know, those labels, what goes in behind all of that is, is uh, 20 years <laughs> of work. Um, I have my master practitioner in something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is the study of excellence. I am a hypnotherapist. Uh, I have, I, I'm a speaker. And I also, I'm an expert in, in uh, human behavior, leadership, personal development. I work with athletes. I've helped a professional golfer win golfer of the year. And I was formerly vice president of business development for a startup firm um, that did innovative uh, using virtual reality to help clients with uh, pain reduction, memory loss, and stress reduction. So little bit about my background. <laughs> Primarily with addictions as well, Lisa. I mean, uh, those yes. with uh, narcotics or alcohol, do you like with your, uh, when you do hypnosis, do you specialize on that uh, particularly? Yes, I do a lot of, a lot of uh, work around addiction, alcohol, smoking cessation, weight loss, um, any kind of childhood trauma. And that's actually how I ended up getting into this work was because I, I had a breakdown about 20 years ago. I was struggling, had, uh, I was going to therapist after therapist and no one was able to help me. And I realized that I, I, um, I needed something more and someone had suggested a hypnotist and I was like a hypno what don't <laughs> they make people quack like a duck like I couldn't wrap my head around something like that. But I was so desperate I figured I'd try something. Okay. And I did. And what was fascinating about it is that I was able to get to the root cause of my issues fast. Excuse me, uh -huh. Lily. <laughs> my dog has decided to bark. She wants to be on too. Um, so anyway, it, what was amazing was, um, uh, you well know, know about this. We have five major brain frequencies that we go in and out of our lives. So as children, our brain frequencies are really deep and wide. And uh, that's where a lot of our trauma is stored. And so I call it um, time travel for your emotions. Mm -hmm. I, I would, they would take me back to the events and I couldn't change what happened, but I was able to change how I felt about it. So it was a reframe. I changed my perspective of what happened. And when I did that, it changed how I saw the world because I suddenly had this new lens of, of how I could see things. And I, I was deep in a victim mentality. I was deep in, in this place where I, I also um, 
growing up had undiagnosed learning disabilities. So I grew up thinking that I was stupid. Okay. Um, I was the youngest in my class and I had, uh, everyone could read, everyone could do their numbers and I couldn't. And that started a chain of events that started me going to summer school every summer, um, really struggling. And, and I also learned to give my power away to others because I thought everyone was better than I was. Wow. So throughout this entire journey, I did some really deep dives and discovered that not only am I smart, I just learn differently. I, I process things differently than other people. And that's what make, makes me unique and different. But I didn't honor that. I had a lot of shame around that until much later in my life. So how long did it take you to realize? How long did it take you to be able to start changing your mindset and perceive things differently that doesn't affect you or, or make you feel like you're the victim mentality. Right. It, it was, it was a process over many years because I also had this tremendous fear of being alone because I grew up thinking that I wasn't smart. I was always told that I'd always have to be taken care of. And so the idea of leaving a marriage or leaving my relationship of almost 30 years was terrifying. How am I going to support myself? How am I going to do all these things? So um, I remained and I decided that I was going to be the best mother that I could possibly be while I healed myself because I wanted to be available to my kids. And slowly over the, the period of time, I as I got stronger and started to have a better sense of self. So it was really over a process of 20 years. And I'm still I'm still learning. I'm still in the process of learning, but I finally um, have a confidence that I never thought I'd ever have. I have a belief in myself and a love of myself that I never thought I had. And, and it was through all of the, the work. Every, every time I get triggered by someone or something, I learn to go inward. What is this person mirroring for me? What is it inside me that I have to work on instead of this person doing something to me. I see. Okay. So um, the demise of your relationship or marriage, was it based because that individual was narcissistic and they were treating you in a toxic way or what really caused that to happen? You know what? He was the perfect person for me at the time because when we met, I had no sense of self and I revolved myself around him because I thought that that was my job. And as I started to develop a sense of self and find out what I was passionate about, I realized that I couldn't be who he, wanted. Who he needed me to be, who he wanted me to be. And, and, you know, we joked around, he said that I was a bait and switch because <laughs> I wasn't who I was when we first met. And I said, yes, thank God. But, but to him, he missed that terribly. And he was, he was upset at me for that. And, and I understand that. But at the same time, I wanted him to change. And, and he, you know, and he stayed more the same. And so his, his, what was really important to him was no longer important to me. And what was important to me was no longer important to him. So would you say, Lisa, that, um, transitioning from who you were before, who you were 
ideal as a wife for him in the beginning, but then somewhere along the way, you changed. Did you change because it was a result of his behavior towards you, or you just had some awakening of some sort that you just kind of like came across a situation that was traumatic enough for you to be able to say enough is enough? So we got it uh, midway through our marriage. I had a nervous breakdown. And in that breakdown, it was really, if you want to call it the dark night of the soul, where I was in the position where I really needed help. I became suicidal and he wasn't emotionally equipped to help me at that time. And so I felt very, very alone during that period of time. And because of that, I realized that I'm all I have and I have to do this. And so through that time of devoting myself to be the best mom I could be, and then I was going to do everything I could to make myself healthy because I was also mirroring for my children certain behaviors that I didn't want to pass down to my own children. I see. Okay. And those behaviors, do you think they were hereditary of some sort, or is it more kind of like projecting how you felt towards certain situation that your kids were absorbing this energy? I think it's both. Uh, I don't know if you've done any work around epigenetics, but there's the, the, the scientific study of epigenetics where through our DNA, when our ancestors, you know, experience any kind of trauma, those behaviors get passed down generationally. And they've actually got scientific studies that show that mice that were uh, shocked every time they smelled a particular smell uh, and then their grandchildren without even being shocked as soon as they smelled that would run in fear so yeah so and then they've also done studies with people from world war ii Um, there was uh, the netherlands was um, blockaded by the nazis and there was no food coming in and so the something like 20,000 people died of starvation and so they studied the mothers who were pregnant who survived that and what happened to their children and those children um, had a lot of specific um, uh, issues around weight. They had higher levels of um, cortisol. They had uh, schizophrenia, much higher levels versus um, you know other people who did not um, struggle with that. So to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of things that come down um, through our ancestors unconsciously. And, you know, if you, if you have family that went through trauma, be it, you know, starvation, the depression, the Holocaust, or any of those things, those are inside of us. But the other thing is the gifts that we don't think about, you know, overcoming adversity and the strength and all of those things also get passed down to us. So epigenetics is a beautiful thing. It's a survival mechanism that's gotten passed down. But yeah, you know, I definitely saw behaviors in me that were being passed down and I chose to stop that because I didn't want to be in, in those patterns. And the more work I did on myself, the more I found that I had the ability to help others, that I was very intuitive and empathic. So, you know, there is a relationship between narcissists and empaths. They have this very interesting relationship that that goes on until the empath comes into their own and then the relationship can no longer be there. And what was interesting is at the end of my my marriage, um, my ex-husband 
said to me, um, I don't know if I should be sharing this. <laughs> <laughs> but he said to me, um, you know, my therapist uh, says that you're a narcissist. And I said, well, that's very interesting because uh, in order to, uh, as an empath, I I, I'm an empath and I feel everything. And my understanding of narcissists is that they don't have the capacity to feel. So I'm, I'm very confused and I'm worried about you because um, the fact that your, 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 your therapist is diagnosing me without ever having met me. <laughs> and then the next week he showed up with an article called narcissistic victim abuse. And that was the first time that I really had a sense of understanding what that was all about. And I read this article. Um, it was a woman from Ireland who wrote this article and it was all about gaslighting <laughs> and how that impact you. And I remember sitting there and this giant light bulb went off in my head. And I thought to myself, this is one of the most powerful moments and gifts of my entire life because a whole lifetime of not thinking that I was smart and, uh, and giving my power away to other people. And then suddenly I was like, I've been right all this time. I just doubted myself. And it was the, one of the single most empowering moments of my life was like, I wasn't, so, I was real. I, I had something to offer. It was amazing. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because especially about epigenetics and all, um, I read on uh, the medical journal that those dealing with narcissistic personality disorder, it's not just an attitude that they have towards life about them being the greatest, about being, uh, you know, having their ego, you know, like uh, it's, it's, there's something missing in the brain called a hormone called vasopressin. Vasopressin, something that doesn't show any empathy towards others. And because of that lack of this hormone, this is how basically they act the way they do. So it's not only behavioral, it's also chemical. So that was something that said, oh, you know what? Maybe it's not only their fault. Maybe they have, but I'm not sure if they were able to come up with a pill that can actually cure narcissistic personality disorders. It's actually a combination of also behavior of realizing that they're not always right, that they're, uh, that they're like living an ego trip of some sort that they have to gaslight their victims. It's like vampires. They will drink and drain your blood as much as they can, and then they'll bounce to someone else. So it's not really something that they, that they feel much about towards others is because there's something missing in their brain that doesn't allow them to feel it. That's fascinating. I didn't know about that hormone. Yeah. I knew, knew the other things. And so what's interesting is, does that come from their childhood or is that, uh, that something inside them shuts off? Or is that something that comes through epigenetics or both? It's, you know, actually some people are born with that missing hormone. It's, it's not completely missing. It's not produced as much as it is. Ah. So it's like hypothyroidism. The, the thyroid hormone will not secrete enough thyroid secreted hormone to be able to balance out your metabolism. So it goes the same with vasopressin. It's V-A-S-O-P-R-E-S-I-N. Uh, which is their hormone. So you could actually uh, check it out on uh, Google. And wow. it's really interesting of how now they're, they're thinking twice about um, narcissists as being more of a behavioral problem versus a mental illness, because some people consider it to be a mental illness, but why? It's because of this chemical imbalance. It would explain the lack of awareness of their own behavior. 
That is correct. They, they never think they're at fault. They will always accuse other people saying that they're the one who pushes them to become the way they are. They never really take any responsibility for anything. And this is one of those traits of narcissism. But here's the other part of it was interesting. And this was a great lesson for me because when you're an empath and you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's really, really easy to sit in victim mode and blame all of your problems on the narcissist. And, and here's, here, here was the big wake up call. It's like, uh, for every finger I'm pointing at them, I have three fingers pointing back at me. And what responsibility am I going to take? Because I'm allowing this to happen. I'm taking it on and, and then using it as an excuse to disempower myself. And so there's equal culpability in those relationships. And that was a huge, a huge um, epiphany for me was, you know, get up off your butt, stop feeling sorry for yourself, stop blaming everyone else in your life and start to reprogram your thoughts and realize how powerful you are. All of these, all of these people who have been in your life, in my life, I consider great gifts. I had an amazing, I've had an amazing life. I have, I had wonderful times. I had, I, I raised, got to raise two amazing children. I, I got to try, I've traveled the world. There's, there's so much to be grateful for. And so many of us tend to like to look at the negatives around situations. And I, I look at all of it as my gift because I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have studied the way I have. I wouldn't have had all the opportunities and I wouldn't know this to the depth that I know it. And then I wouldn't be able to help the people who really need this. Because here's the thing, when I was searching 20 years ago, no one really understood how to help me. Mm -hmm. No one, I couldn't find people who really understood what was wrong with me and what, what I needed. And I decided that I was gonna try, and, I was gonna become the person that I was looking for 20 years ago. Wow. So that other people, didn't have to search like I did because I was going from person to person to person to healer. I traveled around the world. I was on a mission. I couldn't stop. I was so passionate about it. And now I can't stop. My brain just goes into these modes of, you know, whenever I hear about something or so like I, I have to break it apart and put it back together again. And what could this look like? <laughs> it's like it's been analyzing everything that you've learned that you've acquired throughout the years. And then um, applying this to your mindset coaching business. So I think it's, you know, everything based on experience allows you to be able to build some credibility because you've yeah. lived it yourself, Lisa. You've experienced yeah. it yourself. And I think the, the way that you, be, from being a student, you became a teacher. Because the yes. reality is that all through those years, when you were feeling victimized about why am I dealing with this? Why am I... Uh, an empath and I dealt with a narcissist person and again some people say that narcissist people will always attract empath and this is the, the the weird mutual understanding that they have together and this is why it continues um, I would say fueling this toxic relationship and one doesn't know how to let go of the other because the empath will bring the narcissist higher and the narcissist will know how to bring the empath lower so it's kind of like, even though you fit, you say that there's a balance, 
but is it a balance of behavior or a balance of mentality, a balance of what that they understand each other? It's the balance of responsibility. Okay. It's about the mutual responsibility of, of saying it's your fault. You're not, you know, meeting my needs anymore. You're not giving me that love and adoration that I need to be able to sustain myself. Or, you know, you're not giving, you're being mean to me and, and I'm a victim and therefore you're the reason why I'm so unhappy. It's, it's, it's the mutual, um, you know, take responsibility of, I need to be responsible for my own happiness. Correct. I need to be responsible for my own everything. And, and when you suddenly take that on, then the relationship can no longer be functional. So in your business now, uh, Lisa, um, how do you um, take that knowledge that you've acquired for so many years, um, have, having gone through those experiences and all, and obviously all your clients will experience something different. So how do you right. um, customize that program to be able to fit each and everyone's need? You know, it, it is customized because I have so many different tools in my toolbox, but, but for the most part, what I do is, is I look at, for instance, I worked with a professional golfer and he had this belief. He was a phenomenal putter. He, he was amazing. And that's what, and, and he was at a tournament, had a bad day. And after that bad day, uh, someone walked up to him and said, you know, gee, it's too bad that you um, don't know how to putt because you could be a phenomenal golf pro. Mm -hmm. He internalized that and could not putt after that. So for 20 years, he went on to play, but he could never play his best. And it became a joke at a local country club where he worked mm -hmm. that he just could not play. Uh, he couldn't putt. And I literally took him back to that moment and he, he literally, um, we released the feeling, the emotion around it because we couldn't change what happened. He <laughs> saw it, Lily, <laughs> she now never does this. <laughs> oh my gosh, she wants to be on the podcast. I guess so. Um, <laughs> You'll be next. Oh my God. <laughs> She's my rescue dog. Okay. Um, so, so anyway, um, so once he realized that it was just a belief and we shifted it going back to before he had that memory, that, that experience and remembered what it felt like for him to really be in the top of his game, he went out and then he was able to, he went out and played the best golf Ever after that. And uh, I had another golfer who won golfer of the year um, because he had doubts. We all do. And, and whenever we focus on what we don't want, because when you're playing golf, you're focusing on, um, you know, where we don't want the ball to go instead of where we do. And, and that's a metaphor for life okay. because uh, I had someone who came to me who ran a company and he felt that it was his responsibility to take care of his employees, mm. but too much. It was like this very dysfunctional codependent relationship with his employees. And finally we did a lot of work around it. And one day he came back to me and he said, man, my employees are a pain in the neck. I wish they could just figure this out for themselves because <laughs> he was finally able to focus on the business instead of babysitting employees. 
Um, so there's all kinds of things. And I've worked with people who are in transition, um, who were looking for jobs and weren't sure where they wanted to go. I've been certified in something called uh, with the Y Institute, helping people discover their why, how, and their what. And uh, I, this woman had a job opportunity with a very big firm in New York City, which would have required her to uh, move and, and well, relocate and, and be away from family. And once we discovered her why, how, and what, she realized that she would have been very unhappy because it wasn't, it wasn't part of who she was. And she ended up taking a job that was riskier. It was a startup. It was smaller, but had much more upside potential. And that really lit her up. Um, for instance, also with me discovering my, that, that my why was challenged is people who think differently helped me get rid of the shame of being different because I owned it. That's my superpower. Because when you grow up being different, you get bullied. And you, you know, why can't you be like so-and-so? And then I finally went, wow, this is actually my gift of being different because I think outside the box, I have a very creative visionary mind that, um, and that, that's, that's something that I finally was able to own. Wow. So if let's say I would ask you, Lisa, to give one major piece of advice to all of our listeners when it comes to people struggling and not knowing who they are and what is their mission or their purpose in life, what would you tell them? Oh, you know what? First of all, meditation is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself, giving yourself that quiet, silent time, spending time in nature, because we have the answers inside of us. We ignore them. We stuff them down because we don't want to deal with them because here's, here's the interesting thing. When you follow your passion, it never makes sense. It's not a linear decision. It, it's this kind of leap and the net shall appear. And it seems really scary. And everyone's going to try and talk you out of it. That's how you know. That's, and, and my decision to relocate here did not make any sense on paper. I didn't know anyone here. I, I didn't have a business set up here. This was pre-pandemic, so not a lot of people were set up on Zoom, but I knew I was supposed to be here. And then everything took care of itself. So I learned to surrender and, and trust my gut instincts, my intuition, and, and I help people do that. It's like take away all of those belief systems, those times that everyone said, you'll never amount to something or you'll, you know, people with money are, are unhappy because those little meta messages that stay in there undermine us. And then we don't even know why we keep getting on that hamster wheel over and over again, expecting a different result because that unconscious belief system is running the show. And I always say, you know, what major decision did your five-year-old make for you today? <laughs> <laughs> but is there a special time of the day? Because a lot of people tell me when it comes to meditation, it's hard to just sit down and not think about anything. So how do right. you help them transition in terms of making meditation like a part of their life, like drinking water or uh, eating or breathing, it, it has to be a part of someone's life for them to be able to sustain it. Right. Um, my time is first thing in the morning, even if it's five minutes, you can just start out with five minutes and then build on it. And it's not really thinking about nothing. You can just 
feel the feeling of what you want your life to feel like. You can use that to, to kind of call that in or manifest what you want. Um, my, believe it or not, my ex-husband was the one who got me into transcendental meditation wow. and we would meditate together. And um, he was really good that way. And uh, uh, he would come home from work to de-stress and meditate for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And then he had a clear head and then we were able to have a conversation. He needed that. Uh, go walk in the wood, woods, uh, in, you know, in nature, that's highly meditative too, and work your way into it. There's guided meditations and all kinds of apps. Um, there's also something called binaural beats. Yes, uh, when you find these apps that will slow your brain down and help you, you can find them all over the internet. There's, there's all kinds of, but these beats, these, this music, these waves, will bring you down so that you're not so, you know, frenetic and, and, you know, really stressed. It's instantaneous. And when I worked for that, um, the virtual reality company, that was part of what we did was we used the binaural beats to get the brain instantly into a different frequency to calm people down. Wow. And I, I actually been doing, because I've been doing meditation for the past seven years, Lisa, and what I felt that the, the one that works the most, I'm not sure exactly if you would agree or not, it's when you are about to sleep on your, during the REM zone, ah, um, you, yeah. it has to be guided meditation, of course, because at night you're not thinking. So this is the only way to access the subconscious mind, because once you're asleep, consciousness is asleep, but subconscious start listening to everything. So if you listen with your earbuds all through the night about positive affirmation, whatever it is you will wake up in a much better mood. You'll wake up much more alive, much more energe energetic, and your day is going to go much better. And this is why I see a lot of people going into depression is because the last thing that they see before they go to sleep is the news. And as you know, the news is toxic, it's fake, yes. full of crap. So they always hear negative thoughts or negative um, things happening in the world. Of course, they're going to wake up in a bad mood. You are so right. And thank you so much for bringing that up. And um, I always say, absolutely. You want to do that before you go to bed. I, I need to do that more before I go to bed. I have a list of um, affirmations that I have in the morning. And so what I do is I, it's two pages long. And then I have a visualization that I go through. So I read my, my visual, I read my affirmations. Then I do a visualization because I want to feel it at a really deep level. And then I go into meditation because, and I will tell you miracles happen. Oh, it does. Miracles have happened in my life. Things will appear because when you believe we are that powerful, people don't understand the power of your mind, thoughts, and your emotions. And you want to feel it. You have to feel it at a very deep level and believe it. And what's interesting, even to a point where, you know, my ex-husband was very handy and did all the things that had to be put together. And I ordered this desk that goes up and down is electrical. And it was in like a million pieces. And I was like, oh my God, now I'm going to have to pay someone to put this together. And I stopped myself. I changed my mindset. And I said, Lisa, you love to do puzzles. Just think of this as a puzzle. And I had this, um, the directions were just a bunch of arrows with all these parts coming together. <laughs> and I made the decision that I was going to make it happen. And I put the whole thing together in an hour. I couldn't believe it. 
but it's mindset when you set it's true when you set your mind to something and you believe it at a very deep level you will make it happen if i had any doubt it would not have happened that is true it's actually like the movie with brad cooper limitless uh, the pill that he was taking was co connecting the bridge between consciousness and subconsciousness and this is why he was able to write and do songs and or music and and this is what gave him the power is because he was able to access the subconscious mind. Because as you know, we're only utilizing what, eight to 10% of our brain capacity at, at best. So that subconscious mind allows you to utilize another 30 or 40%, which is 10 times more powerful than, than consciousness. So I think that people should start really focusing a lot more on meditation. They don't take the, the, the idea that it's so valuable, but yet people just cannot fathom to just sit down, not do anything, and just let time go by. For them, this is it's a waste of time. So right. you know, once and for all, like people will start realizing that meditation has so much more benefits than just relaxation. And you know what? You're so right because people don't value that quiet time, that playtime, because that's when the vision starts. That's when the ideas come to you. That's when you connect if you want to say source um, or whatever it is, you're connecting to your own inner inspiration, your own inner visions when you have that quiet time. And then the busy time is actually having it happen, but you're actually blocking your creativity. You're blocking a huge part of who you are if you don't give yourself quiet and downtime. I agree 100%. Well, that's all the time that we have for today's podcast. I really do appreciate you, Lisa, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode. I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you've listened to today. Now, here are a few concluding words of wisdom. Your dreams are what define your individuality. They have the power to give you wings and make you fly high. If these dreams do not scare you, in a good way that is, they're not worth to put into action. One more thing, acronym of fear comes in two forms. First, but unworthy of you, I am sure, forget everything and run. But the second, which I'm sure that is what you're accustomed to is, face everything and rise. Ultimate choice is yours. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalai, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.